Welcome to Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Credera. We are a global boutique consulting firm, and on this show, we discuss hot topics in business and tech with our colleagues in an effort to share our collective insights with you. My name is Sam Mori. I'm part of our management consulting group, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm joined here today with Alyssa Firth and Niall Donnelly, as we'll be discussing data clean rooms. Thank you both for making time to be here. Would you each please give a brief intro and share how you came to be interested with data clean rooms? I guess I'll go first. Um, hi, Alyssa Firth. I am a manager out of the New York office of Credera. Um, my background is in media and ad tech. And so this was really a natural place for me to get involved in. Um, I think data cleaners are just such an interesting space and a real intersection of tech and strategy and a real, real reflection of where the industry is going. And so I just kind of jumped right in. Hey, th- thank you so much for having me. Um, my, as mentioned, my name is Niall Donnelly. I am based out of our Cordero UK office as a managing consultant. Uh, I've been at Cordero for a little over a year now since I since I joined. Um, and my background, like Alyssa, is, is very similar. I started out in paid media. My first job in my career was actually in, in paid search. And from there, I pivoted into uh, marketing technology. Um, and also had, you know, a lot of interest in in data and data privacy. So as you can imagine, data clean rooms intersected all of those areas at some point or another. So it's, yeah, it's something that I'm interested in as a topic and about talking about too. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Um, well, let's hop into it. Why have data clean rooms become such a big topic of conversation? Niall, you want to get us started? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do that. So data clean rooms is, is kind of, it's been around or been evolving for a while now, but I feel like it's just started to come become the next big buzzword in marketing technology. Um, and it's for a few different reasons. But I think for me, the, the reason why it's, it's become such a big thing now is, you know, especially because I'm based in a country of European geography, we've been subject to legislation like GDPR um, since we were, we were part of the European Union. And obviously because of Brexit, we no longer are, but we're still party to, to GDPR called the UK GDPR, which is essentially the same or very, very similar in many ways. So there's always been the kind of like the impending doom of, of for third party cookies and how do how does advertisers navigate that? Um, being able to do effective advertisement at scale or very personalized advertisement at scale, whilst also adhering to you know the legal, the legalities of that, but also respecting customer privacy at the same time. So I feel like data cleaners have really come to the the fray or into the fray because advertisers need a solution to you know the deprecation of third party cookies via legislation and regulatory or industry regulation sorry um so it's become a real hot topic for, for advertisers to consider i'm not sure if you feel the same melissa or you've got seen anything else that might be a good reason for that yeah i don't think there's really another answer it's it's privacy really at, at the center and i think that's why we're seeing the accelerated adoption particularly within the advertising and media industry. I mean, there are a lot of other applications, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and I think that a lot of brands are also just seeing the larger value of the ability to collaborate on shared data sets and you know what that means for their business. So in addition to what they can do from a media efficiency and media measurement and audience insights perspective, you know, what else can they do to contribute to their business and grow their revenue through data collaboration. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is that 
uh, one, it's it's a solution to all the the data privacy and regulations out there. But then also it allows for collaboration on these massive data sets. Um, what exactly is a data cleanroom, though? And at a high level, how does it work? Alyssa, you want to get us started? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a very straightforward question with a not straightforward answer necessarily. Um, I think everyone has a bit of a different definition of what is a clean room. Like I'll mention, they've been around for a while, so it's not an entirely novel concept. I mean, at its core, right, it is a secure cloud-based environment or platform where one, two or more parties can join their data sets securely in for collaboration and for analysis. And they do so without being able to re-identify individual users. The, the data itself is never exchanged. It's never shared um, and typically results are returned at an aggregate level. I think when I think about clean rooms, there are really three key characteristics that I would say um, that define what a clean room is versus some of the other solutions. I think there's the just the ability to collaborate on the shared data sets and multi-party computing, like I mentioned, so that multiple parties can securely access each other's data, but the data, data is, like I said, never actually directly shared. Uh, no data movement, which I think was probably one of the biggest barriers previously for sharing and leveraging data across shared ecosystems and for in both advertising and non-advertising settings. I think we would see when I was in paid media, you know, brands were really hesitant to just share their first party data and then and move it to a different environment for confidentiality reasons, for privacy reasons, et cetera. And so this has been a, a solution for that. Um, and then privacy, differential privacy, you know, the ability to control who is accessing the data, what they're doing with it, controlling that minimum level of aggregation, um, not enabling identification. I think those are probably the three key principles of how we define it. And I'll feel free to add you know, anything else. I think you run that back absolutely perfectly, Alyssa. Like you said, it's such an easy question with such a loaded answer um, that it's not always, it's definitely not easy to explain and probably even harder to understand when you're first told what a data clean room is um, because there's so many intricate elements to it. For example, like you said, no data is moved and that's probably one of the most important parts. Is that the whole reason that this is a, not the whole answer, but a part of an answer to data privacy is that no data is being transmitted because that's where that's what the law says is that you can't transmit data to someone you can't give someone else uh, one of your customers email addresses or their name because that's you know PII personally identifiable information and so the whole point is that you're not moving it but you're still somehow collaborating with you know a third party of sorts that your collaborator um, and that can be you know one of your suppliers it could be someone you know upper or lower than you in in the chain to the customer or it could be what we call a walled garden so you know the Google's Facebook Twitter, et cetera. Yeah, they're all um, building their own solution that will essentially allow advertisers to connect to their vast, vast data, your CRM, if you like, for want of a better word, to allow advertisers to make better choices, hypothetically, uh, on advertisement. So, you know, that, as I said before, the whole problem that's trying to be addressed here is how, as an advertiser, how can an advertiser do hugely scalable personalized marketing 
when you're really in many ways not allowed to understand who that customer is anymore without a lot of checks and balances being in place well this is one part of that answer but i think it's annoyingly as much as i would love it to be the case it's i don't think we're ever going to solve data privacy because it's evolving at such a rate that even the technology funnily enough can't keep up um, and even the people that are putting the regulations in place be it you know mostly regulatory but also in some cases legally don't have a lot of the answers that they're trying to trying to provide so you know google for example as i said is trying to deprecate was looking to deprecate third-party cookies in the chrome browser that's been pushed back a number of times and you know by their original date probably should have been and gone by now but the solution that they're trying to provide is not there for the regulation that they're trying to put in place so it's sort of a you know a game of just pushing it back until maybe one day we get to a solution that sort of or hopefully does work for everyone but kind of going back to your your question about what is a data clean room i think the most simplest way i can bring it down and Alyssa, you know you absolutely explain this this perfectly but this is the only way i can make it make sense in my head is that essentially there's an element of loading the data and i say loading because again it's not moving but it's somehow your data clean room accesses the data in a way um and that happens on both sides obviously this is a mutually beneficial collaboration and then that data is you add you give the data at log level or user level if you like but the whole idea is that neither party can see that user level information for you know the protection and the, of the privacy and the sensitivity of the data but then the output of that is a very aggregated maybe cohort level you might call it output insight and analysis of a group of customers exhibit you know maybe these behaviors and it, it, you'll have elements of information that, that your collaborator has access to and you might not and vice versa there may be elements of the data that they didn't have access to which you know as part of the collaboration it just gives a much fuller picture um, of a customer group for example and then that's the insight that you can use to go on and, and better your advertisement in the future and you know between doing that with the walled garden which would then allow you from that to then advertise on those cohorts or audience groups or whatever's been created or analyzed as part of that or whether it's you know working with a supplier for example which would then give them and you the ability to enrich your data further by kind of putting more pieces of the puzzle together for that group of customers so you know there's mutual benefit in doing it it's just about how you get there and right now there is no universal implementation or you know, best practices of implementation that exists because as Alyssa said it's still relatively early days in terms of the development of this technology it's been around for a, a while but by no means is it established I would say but we're certainly getting there well done. I'm, I'm hearing from both of you that it's highly complex and it can often be misrepresented. And so now I just want to challenge you, you know, in, in a one liner, how would you describe a data clean room? I think the key word is collaboration. I think that's the best way to summarize it in, in the shortest possible way, because it's just, that's essentially what is happening. And it seems almost alien to call to be able to say that you can collaborate with data, given where we are with all the regulations that you know we have right now as, as marketers. But that's essentially what's happening. I'd say, you know, it's data collaboration, but it's also got customer data privacy at its heart. Awesome. One one thing I want to clarify, because I think Niall and I both mentioned this, is that the outputs of the collaboration are often at an aggregate level. But there is an ability to activate out of a clean room. And I think that is important to understand as well. The You can leverage a clean room to match to anonymous IDs that can, or act, what I activatable, targetable IDs um, that you can then use to, in anonymous environments, to target people, maybe not one to one exactly, um, but you know, with really granular audiences. 
So I just, I think that's an important clarification because we keep talking about this, you know, minimal level of aggregation and aggregated outputs. Yes, that is true, uh, particularly for the measurement and insights use cases of clean rooms, but there also are activation use cases that do allow you to leverage that first party data to, to really get targeted with your media. That's a great clarification. We'll be sure to include this in the show notes. But Alyssa, in your article that was published on Cordera.com, you mentioned among all the solutions marketers are considering, data clean rooms may be one of the most promising for driving long-term business value. What makes them so value generating? Yeah, I, you know, from a from a media and, and advertising standpoint, there are a lot of different solutions. Um, so I, I think you know when saying that. It's when you look at clean rooms from a larger picture, um, and when you look at not just the brand to publisher interactions and collaborations that clean rooms allow, but the brand to brand uh, collaborations that are possible through clean rooms and the broader analytics and product application of those clean rooms and the learnings that you can get out of it. Um, you know, for for brands, they have this ability now to go explore entirely new partnerships, um, particularly for highly regulated industry where they had no idea what to do with their data or really couldn't do anything with it. Um, I think there's an opportunity now for them to go and explore, you know, what if I did partner with XYZ random company that is in a competitive industry or in an adjacent industry and we did something together? Right. What can I do from a co-marketing perspective? How can I leverage all of the rich first party data that I have to unlock a new revenue stream? Right. Data through data monetization. How can I innovate on my products, you know, based on better learnings and better understanding of my consumers? So I think that's really where that long term business value lies. In addition to, yes, better understanding of the outcomes your media and market efforts are driving. Yes. Better understanding of your consumers, your highest value audiences. Because you're able to augment your your own first party data with second party, third party data in a way that you couldn't really do anymore through privacy or or due to the privacy regulations. So I think that's really where I why I see clean rooms as such an exciting space, though really challenging, which I'm I'm sure we'll get into. Niall, any any thoughts you'd want to add to that? Yeah, yeah, I've got one thing actually because I know Alyssa was completely right. I think um, the the theme is well. I know we've spoken a lot about data privacy and you know why data clean rooms are so lucrative or talked about now is for the data privacy element. But absolutely, the part about augmenting your data is huge as well. You can almost imagine that if you took a you know a case study of a business that has traditionally done data, handled data privacy really really well, you might argue that it's not necessary. I mean, I wouldn't say it wouldn't be necessary to have, them, have a data clean room for them, but you might imagine that even though they didn't need it necessarily for the data privacy part, they might have a really well-established, you know, CDP or CRM um, already. And they want to take it one step further. Like, how do you do that? How do you go further than a really rich data source that you've already got or data warehouse that you already own? Well, you can augment that data and make it even richer and more complete, if you like, by yeah, collaborating with a third party that can give you that extra level of detail that you couldn't possibly get in your particular your industry or or market or whatever you want to call call it because then you could you know 
make it even even more work even better for you essentially and that may be just understanding your customer better or it might be taking it a step further and be able to do more targeted or effective advertisement off of the back of that yeah exactly right i mean think about how complicated we are as humans and as consumers there's no way that any brand can collect all that they would need to know about you to really be able to target you you know i like to cook I like to work out. I work a lot and I read a lot about data clean rooms, right? Some of those signals I get off, give off online, but there's so much more that I don't necessarily give off online that a brand would have no idea about me. So how can we use the collective intelligence uh, that everyone has, has collected across all the signals that I've given online, offline, uh, to really provide me with advertisements that are relevant? Um, and will drive an action from me. Yeah, it makes so much sense because if you think about it really, as you know, the relationship our business has with the customer is probably just one perspective of that person. It does not give the 360 view of who that person is. Like you say, you might have that customer may interact with business A in one particular way and only in one particular way because that's all they the relationship they want to have with that customer, business, sorry. But then they might have an entirely different one with another business and you wouldn't possibly know that without the advent of data clean rooms and data collaboration in this way, because it just gives you that extra dimension of that customer, which could make so much difference, both, you know, in terms of tangible and intangible value to that business. I love it. Yeah. It, just hearing you talk about that makes me think of, you know, like a, a gym and we're only seeing one facet um, with uh, a marketing agency collecting data. And so their ability to to partner and collaborate with other firms gives them a more complete picture of these different personas. And so, uh, Alyssa, I know that you mentioned uh, industries uh, being able, different industries being able to benefit from this. And so in your mind, what, what industries would those be that could benefit most from data clean rooms? You know, I think it's really any sort of marketplace type ecosystem. And, you know, I know we were talking about this before the show. So retail, right? That's the, that's the gold rush right now. That's where everyone is going. They are the early adopters in this space. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of growth there. But if you look at what they're doing, right, like I said, any of these marketplace type ecosystems or where the point of sale is separate from the original provider, manufacturer, etc. I think is really where a lot of these use cases are really valuable. Um, you know, if you think about healthcare, if you think about like human resources and staffing and recruiting, um, and where I'm particularly excited about is in auto. Um, I think the opportunities within the automotive industry and for auto brands is really quite exciting when you think about how that industry is set up. Um, right, you have the, the point of sales at the dealers at the, at the tier one, but the OEMs, the original equipment manufacturers, they have so much information and intelligence on their products and on their consumers, but they don't see the point of sale. And so clean room could really provide this opportunity to get the end-to-end picture of what happens uh, in the consumer journey. And then you think about well, where does most of the research happen? It happens on these, you know, third-party sites, Kelly Blue Book, AutoTrader, Cars.com, that neither party in that structure have 
insight into or have a view into. And so how do we bring all of these signals and bring all of these kind of competing brands together to get the most out of the data that they have and really provide the best consumer experience possible? Yeah, I just I would say I completely agree with Alyssa said, especially about retail. Like I've got a very my my uh, background before Credero and consulting was in the on retail and client on the client side, and absolutely, I think for a long time data clearing rooms was probably almost before now where I believe actually data clearing rooms could have a good application for probably most industries, markets, and businesses. I feel like retail was probably the first target industry for data clearing rooms. Even going back, I remember maybe like four or five years ago now, probably more like four years ago, there was something that Google was trying to trying to position to advertisers like the company that I worked for that would, now that I think about it, was probably an early iteration of a data clean room, probably without so much of the data privacy elements because at the time it wasn't, it wasn't as necessary, but the premise was the same. It was, uh, you know, within Google Shopping, uh, sharing the data of the sales anonymized um, to a supplier that would help to fund the shopping campaign. Um, I think it was literally called Google co-shopping or something along those lines. I think that's been discontinued now, you know, because data cleaners has, has become its own thing. Um, but it just goes to show that even from a few years ago, before the term data clean rooms was used, this sort of technology or this process was still already kind of coming through, especially for the retail space. Um, but going back to what I said at, at the beginning of this point, um, there's, I think good application all around for a lot of industries. I just think how you use the data cleaning room would probably differ a little bit. There may be some value in in different ways of employing that that technology. And what I mean by that is, for example, for retail, you know, it'd be advantageous probably either to to start a data cleaning room with a walled garden like like Google, for example, Google Shopping. It would allow you to create more richer audience lists or you know custom lists that are anonymized. You know, the idea being anonymized to both you as the advertiser and Google themselves, but allow you to kind of combine obviously Google's vast database of, of customer information and the first party data that you have as them being your customers. And it would allow you to advertise to those customers better because Google's obviously going to have more user behavior information uh, than you will just as, you know, the one facet, as we mentioned, as you have it as your business, but also uh, as a retailer, there's a lot of application as well with having that uh, data clean room with, a supplier uh, of a product so you know as a, a retailer you probably have a lot of products that are, you that you buy from manufacturers and obviously resell as a retailer you can understand from them the, the analytics that they have and vice versa obviously aggregated up as we mentioned that would give you another dimension and, and augment that data further as you know we spoke about at length but it's almost like there's a symbiotic relationship there that can help you to enrich your data uh, and Alyssa mentioned you know it's it would be very advantageous for the manufacturer because they most likely won't be selling their own products because they're not a retailer. They'll be selling them, you know, to a retailer to be sold. But there's no way of knowing other than getting that data from the retailer, how many units have we actually sold here and and by and how, you know, via what media channel, what marketing strategy worked there. That's sort of thing that you can understand via a data clean room. I also love the use cases for retail networks and and data clean rooms for non-endemic brands. Um, you know, we talked a lot about, yes, the, the like you said, the point of sale being separate from the manufacturer or the provider, but for those non-endemic brands, I think there's so, still so much value in the data that these retailers could provide because of the signal that they can collect. 
and because of everything that they know about you. And with consumers now kind of bypassing Google a lot of times to search for new products and going straight to their preferred retailer, I think, I mean, we're in like the 80, 90% now of product searches are beginning on Amazon or even Walmart. And so they know exactly what keywords you're typing in, exactly what you're searching for, how long you're spending on the page. And all those signals, you know, are you buying a new home? Are you expecting a baby? It's a little creepy, um, but they can. And so if you're buying a new home, whoever's selling homeowners insurance, right, that's a really valuable target for them. And so, you know, I, I, I think we've talked a lot about, like I said, the those who are manufacturing or providing the product, CPG, auto, et cetera. But I don't think I don't want to exclude all of the non-endemic partners because I think that that's what that's the essence of clean what clean rooms and data collaboration provide new opportunities that people are not exploring. I, I think as well, we, you just made me think of something that sort of completely different, but also off of the same vein is that. This is probably the first time in a long time, if ever, that the likes of Google and Facebook and that are probably quite scared about what this technology can provide. It really gives power back to the advertisers that they've not had probably ever in you know the era of, era of digital marketing. In that, we almost as advertisers saying you know, in if you imagine that I'm an advertiser, don't need them as much as we used to. We used to rely on Google to give us so much information to give us you know second party data in order to make effective advertisement off more than we already so be, do better advertisement than we already could with our own data but actually if we can kind of bypass them as you mentioned we can collaborate on data around google without having to rely on them as much and as you say if if customers are shifting behavior away from google being the default you know the home page of the internet if you like and they're going direct to retailer uh and making you know giving off all of those signals on these websites instead then you know, it, it. No wonder that Google and at Facebook, all the big, you know, big advertisement, big tech companies, are rushing to get their solution off the ground because if they can boast that they're the first to have a fully fledged solution, they're going to corner the market more than they have before, and also try and you know curb their losses uh, that they would have because all these companies, you know, you might imagine Google is a search company, but an advertising company first and foremost. People forget that, and Facebook are as well. It's not a social network; it is a social network, but you know that's not how they make the money. You don't pay to log into Facebook as a user. You are the product, as the old adage is. Like, if you don't know what the, the product is, it's because it's you. And it's definitely the case with these big tech, you know, companies. So I'm not surprised that they're scared and trying to rush to a solution. But they're, as we can see, having some difficulty in doing that because it's still a you know fairly rudimentary technology at this point. Well said from both of y'all. This is really helpful just to hear uh, how the different industries could leverage uh, data clean rooms and the the various use cases of that. And so we've we've covered, you know, what is a data clean room? Uh, how is it valuable? And so as as we're listening, the the thing that comes to mind is that if I'm a marketer or if I'm an advertiser, what would be the first step uh, for me to to go about? building a data clean room? How would I go about doing this? I know this seems a, like a tall task, potentially an impossible task. Um, and so if, if I'm listening in, you know, what, what would be step one here? I can start. I have quite a strong opinion on this. Um, Niall, I'll, I'll be curious to hear if you agree or, or have a different perspective. Um, make a plan and identify your use cases. 
like start with your use cases. I cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, I think a lot of times brands just jump right into testing and the tech and, oh, let me try ADH because, you know, that's what my media agency is saying where I should go. And they probably should. I'm not discrediting that, but make a plan first, build your short-term and long-term plan. Look at your use cases overall. Where do you want to go from a business perspective? What could clean rooms look like one year, three years, five years down the line and plan so that you can get learnings along the way that are the most valuable. I mean, clean rooms are expensive. You're investing in tech, you're investing in your data, you're investing in the talent and the resources, you know, that's one of the, the, the biggest challenges is that clean rooms require the involvement of so many different stakeholder groups and stakeholder groups that didn't really work together very much. Uh, we're looking at marketing use cases primarily right now. Well, marketers are not used to doing data science. And so now they're talking to the data scientists and the data scientists don't understand marketing use cases and the marketing folks don't speak data. And so you know, you're trying to build a bridge there. Oh, and let's not forget about legal. I mean, they have to be on board from day one or you're setting yourself back. I'm getting ahead of myself. The point is, start with your use cases and see what sequence them out. Build your short-term strategy, your long-term strategy, and then figure out what are the right clean room solutions for you and what are the right clean room solutions to get learnings that will then help you to iterate and experiment, test, Yes, you should do all those things, but you should do it in a way that, that that's smart and builds toward your long-term vision and business goals. I definitely agree. I think it's all too easy, not even just with data clean rooms, but anything, any kind of technology like this in the marketing space, it's so easy. And it's happened more times than I can count where brands, advertisers, businesses, they hear a new buzzword and it's like, we need this. We need to invest in this. It's going to solve all of our problems without any understanding about probably what it is or how it's going to meet those business goals. It just is so commonplace. Uh, and it's easily done. It's not to say, you know, they don't know what they're talking about or don't know what they want. It's just you absolutely, as Alyssa says, need to have an idea or a plan for what is the business goal? What's the what is the answer that you're looking for? And probably is what is the question that you're asking as well before you spend so much money on the technology? Because DCRs, data cleaning rooms aren't cheap, 100%. They require a lot of investment, both financial and also in people and resource to get them off the ground. As, as Alyssa said, it takes marketing, it takes data, it takes legal. It's probably going to take some engineering as well, if that's a different department to your business. It takes all of those parties to come together to really make this work. And with the investment, you're going to want to make it work. But it's never going to work unless you're answering a business question or a challenge or a need that may not exist. And then in which case, you, know, what, you may well have invested that in something else because you know, it's it's a serious time investment as well. So you, you certainly want to understand what you're trying to address. But, it, you know, it's, it is easy for businesses to, to fall into that trap because I know there's a lot of push from, you know, the advertisers that work very closely with advertising networks and platforms are going to try and be coerced by those platforms to buy into these things because it's completely within that platform and network's financial interest for you to do so. They want you on board for two reasons. One, big part of money. Two, you're locked into their ecosystem even more than you were before. And it becomes even harder to then, you know, claw your way back out of it again if you ever, if you ever wanted to. So that's why a lot of businesses don't. Um, but I think it's really important that a business on its own decides a data cleaning room is right for them. And then absolutely, if they can say that they can answer this business challenge or question with data cleaning room being the answer, 
there's a lot that can be gained and achieved by doing so. But it's absolutely about going back to the fundamental question of why and how, as Alyssa mentioned, because it's easily overlooked. You know, the other thing I'll say here is that it might take a bit of mind bending at first. I think that a lot of brands, of course, you're going to jump to the first problem, right? It, you're going to put out fires as, as they happen. And so the first fire is privacy and how do I make sure that I can still target people through my advertising? How do I make sure that it's efficient? How do I make sure I uh, retain the same measurement capabilities that I had before, the same targeting capabilities, et cetera? So that's where everyone's going first. But how do you do a bit of brainstorming at the beginning to say, what is the potential that I could have with clean rooms so that you are choosing the right solution or, or combination of solutions? No, very few, I would, I would almost argue no brands are going to have one clean room solution. If you're an advertiser, you're going to have to participate in multiple clean rooms. And if you have your own first party data, you might want to have your own clean room, which I think, you know, makes it even more complicated because now the question is, well, are we just going back to where we started, where everything's fragmented? You know, I, I don't want to see brands making these decisions around what clean rooms are, they're, participating in or what partner they're going with without having done the work to say, well, what do I want to be able to do five years from now? Without having to replatform, without having to, you know, go through this whole process again, what partner do I think is going to make sense for me? Or what set of partners do I think is going to make sense for me that will help me achieve long-term growth and long-term use cases and provide those aspirational possibilities in the future? I think as well, you just made me think, Alyssa, if Absolutely. I can't imagine anyone, any one business is going to think I'm going to have this one clean room and that's going to be all I need forever. <laughs> and that's going to answer the, you know, make, make it worth their while because absolutely, it absolutely won't. But it makes me think maybe we will see in the future, probably in the near future, if it's not already happening, and I bet it is, some sort of arms race within clean rooms in industries. Because if you think about it, again, if we go back to the retail example, one a retailer is going to have a lot of manufacturers, but also that manufacturer is probably going to distribute their products to all of their competitors of that of retailer as well. So you don't want to find yourself as that as retail business A, that my competitor has all of these DCR, data clean room connections of all of these different uh, re, uh, manufacturers, sorry, that I don't have. So they're getting all access to all of this information that I'm missing out on. And therefore, we're going to do worse by default marketing than them. That's not necessarily true, but you can kind of see that less data is bad. I think we can all agree that generally that's probably going to be the case. Um, so I wonder how we're going to see, as you say, listen, there's probably a lot of fragmentation due to happen, but I can imagine actually it's going to go the other way where retailers or whatever business and whatever industry is going to want to set up a lot of these connections for fear of missing out on what data could be had as a result of these clean rooms. Well, I, you know, I think you're right. It is an arms race. Uh, he who gets there first wins is what I, I keep saying. And, and those who are early adopters in the space are going to win in the long term is, is my viewpoint because they have the opportunity now to learn while things are messy and they are establishing not only their own tech, but the ways of working for the industry. If, if you're really entrenched and ingrained and if you're productizing how you are going to market with clean rooms, everyone else will follow suit or will have to follow suit because you set the standard. And so I think for, and yes, those are particularly large companies that I'm referring to and 
goes with a lot of first party data. But I, I think those companies exist across industries and there are still industries that are relatively untapped. I'm going to go back to auto again. Who's going to move first in that space? Like, I can't wait to see. Um, call me and we'll do it together. Right. You know, I think it's just important to realize that you have to start now. You can't, you cannot wait and see with click news. Um, because yes, we will get to a place hopefully where there's better interoperability. And I think everyone is kind of agreeable to move in that direction, but how they do it, I don't think anyone's quite figured out because you have all these companies coming forward, building their clean rooms. And they all have their own infrastructure and their own processes and own ways of doing it. But eventually, right, if the essence is collaboration, we're all going to have to figure out how they work together. Or we're going to end up in the same fragmented place where we were, where you need 1,800 different solutions and platforms and processes and et cetera to be able to collaborate with the brands that you want to collaborate with. I think it'd be really interesting to when Data Cleaning Room starts to really pick up and get adopted by businesses you know in much more rapidly than it is now because i feel like you're right everyone's just kind of waiting for their competitors to do it first with you know the risk of losing that first mover advantage but then i think once you know in an industry like auto you get one yeah manufacturer who starts doing it everyone else will do it within probably a year or at least start thinking about doing it within a year because again you can't risk your competitors getting that edge over you but i just want to clarify as well on, on my previous point about this arms race that's almost likely almost definitely likely going to happen um as a result of trying to get the edge over your competitors it's not so much about owning or having all of these relationships being the most important it's more what you do with that relationship as well so one thing that we've not really spoken about as part of the process of of you know maintaining and using a data clearing it's not like we both have data let's mash it together and see what comes out you have to agree between both parties or you know all of the parties in this clean room what are the rules or the, almost like the process that's going to run on this data to make the output that we both share. So, you know, you might have, you might share a relationship with a manufacturer and so does your competitor, but you might do that, how, you know, make the most out of that relationship compared to your competitor and have ask all the right questions to get all of the great insights. Whereas your competitors like asking very basic questions that don't really glean a lot. It's all about making the most out of that data clean relationship as much as having it as well. So I think that's probably a worthwhile call out. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you both for just those those responses. I, it's it's one thing to have the data, but it's another to be able to leverage it well. Uh, as we wrap up our time together, if you could leave data and marketing leaders with one piece of advice regarding data clean rooms or even just utilizing their first party data, what would it be? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm... It's nothing net new from from the show so far. We've spoke about it at length, but I think Alyssa brought it up and it's such a good point is that ask the right question or know what your business challenges and questions are to know that data cleaning room is the correct answer for that. That is absolutely paramount because there's nothing worse than investing in a technology that you expect is going to solve all your problems just by existing. It absolutely isn't. It's never the case. I've never seen it happen. You need to be able to say and justify that this was a worthwhile investment and implementation that has given this much value to your business as a result of that. Um, and I think if we're talking more broadly, first party data and in relation to data clean rooms, I think one takeaway is just understand the value and the power that that data has for you and your business, especially as an advertiser today, more than ever, it's always been really important to cultivate your own first party data and make good use of it. But 
absolutely where we find ourselves now as advertisers it couldn't be more true so that's why data cleaning rooms is is and will be such a hot topic for years to come because it really capitalizes on the data that you have and takes it another step further and i think that is essentially the advertisers business need to remember that that the more data you have and the richer data you have it's not about having loads of it it's about being able to use it in and you know it be clean and ready for you to use and activate make your data work better for you that is absolutely key yeah i I couldn't agree with you more there um i think the other thing i would say is it's not a point and shoot solution and you don't just go to one data clean room and say this is it done you know and I, i know we've talked about this a little bit throughout the show but you really have to think about not only what clean rooms make the most sense, but how do they work with my existing ecosystem of tech? And where does it make the most sense to place it? Um, what use cases do I are enabled by this piece of tech and all the, you know, and then how does it fit within my stack? And so I think that's really, really important for brands to remember and, and, and think about. Again, building toward the long term and you know, just going and, and pulling a piece of tech out of a hat and saying, here, plop it in, it, it is not going to work. Um, and so we have to think about this holistically. And I know we've talked a lot about the benefits of data cleaning rooms and you know, that's the point of, of the conversation today. But I, you know, I also will mention like they are not the end all be all. Like they are not going to solve every problem. Uh, they're not going to solve every advertising problem. There's still, you know, there's a lot of benefit to contextual targeting, and there's still a lot to figure out with the activation of audiences through clean rooms. Um, and so, you know, as an advertiser, I would also say, you know, make sure you're exploring all of your other options and make sure that you're figuring out how to put together a, a plan that's really holistic and that leverages the best of everything. Uh, which is hard and expensive and takes a lot of time and resources. So easier said than done. Um, but it, you know, it really is doable. And I, and I just, you know, want to reiterate that in any time I can say this for a CDP, I can say this for DC, I can say for anything. Um, you know, there's no one right solution and one solution with piece of tech is not going to solve all your problems. Well, Alyssa, Niall, thank you all both for being here. Uh, it's been a joy just talking through Data Clean Rooms with you. I know I've learned a lot just uh, listening in on this. So thank you all both. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining. If you'd like to learn more, check out Alyssa's article on Cardera's website or feel free to reach out to us via the website. Tune in for another episode of Technically Minded. <laughs>